Welcome to episode 47 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. The countdown continues. My book is at the editor and soon will be available for purchase. Want to get a free copy of Croissants vs. Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences? Join my launch team for the book and you'll get an advanced copy to review and will be notified when it will be available free on Kindle. Very excited to share this with my listeners. Just visit RobbieSamuels.com slash launch team to sign up. On the Schmooze is a proud headliner on the business podcast hub, C-Suite Radio, which is part of the C-Suite Network, a network of a half million C-level executives. Now, on to this week's show. Today's guest is a CPA and wealth expert who helps take the worry and fear out of money. She believes life is supposed to be fun and money is supposed to fund it for you. She left her thriving corporate finance role to found ownyourmoney.com in 2007 and lead a movement to change our entire perspective on money. So we release the overwhelm and shame, take control, and learn the needed skills to be confident with money. As the creator of the Money Makers Academy, she teaches the essential money skills and mindset that you may assume everyone else knows, but actually very few people were ever properly taught. She also is the co-author of the book, Self-Worth to Net Worth, 12 Keys to Creating Wealth Inside and Out, offering a step-by-step approach to help you build your financial self-esteem and manage your own financial life. With over 15 years as a corporate trainer, coach, and philanthropist, her ability to inspire action in others is fueled by her passion for helping people appreciate their self-worth and realize their financial goals. Please join me in welcoming Belinda Rosenblum. Thank you so much, Robbie. I'm, I'm beyond excited to be able to be here with you. Oh, Belinda, thank you so much for joining me from your office in the Boston area. So I am sure that my guests are going to be curious about your day-to-day, but I want to just jump right in. This is a podcast about leadership and building great networks. So tell me, what does leadership mean to you? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Let's see. It's a great question. And I... I When I look at leadership, I look at it as twofold. Part of it comes from you, and then part of it is how you're relating to others. I think that some people seem to be born leaders, but I think in a lot of ways, people can learn the skills to become a great leader, even a good to great leader, right? And when I teach money, I feel like we're never really taught that, but yet we all think that, you know, like, like you just said, actually, in that great bio, thank you for that that we need to learn the skills. And so I've learned a lot about leadership from the doing of it and also from the learning of it in terms of having great mentors, taking training and recognizing that there was an innate part that I, um, I took on. I, my, my parents were both leaders, I would say, in terms of their field. My father was even a, a department chair at a university in the New York area. and. I was raised to step up to that place. And it it was funny. 
I think I just kind of did it naturally. Like when I was in high school, I was on the swim team, but by senior year, I was literally the worst person on the team and I was the co-captain. <laughs> like, <laughs> like in college, I was on the swim team and I think I just raised the GPA of the group. But um, there were all of these little places when, because I've listened to your podcast before and I've heard you, um, and you're awesome at this, by the way. And um, I was anticipating this question to some extent. And when I, when I started to think back of, well, where was I a leader through my life? It was so interesting to start to see the patterns that mm. started back from, you know, the, um, the high school captain, the pool director. I don't last very long in the, the doing roles before I end up stepping up as the leader. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I literally took a catering job in college. And I don't know if it's because I wasn't very good at the serving, but by the second time I showed up for work, I was the assistant manager. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think there's just something about the way that I explain things to people becomes very doable. I take away a lot of the shame and judgment that people have around not knowing whatever it is. And so I teach it in such a step-by-step -step way. And I'm so encouraging that I think people just really like to follow me in that way because they know that they'll learn something and they'll become a better person in the process. Well, and it's true that if no one's following you, then you're not actually leading. So it sounds like <laughs> you, you have found that formula of providing for people uh, sort of a path that they want to follow you on. Because like you said, uh, you're not judgmental, you're offering them the kind of supports they need, and you're stepping up in a space when other people maybe aren't. It also sounds like it's sort of innately who you are to step up, that, that being showing up somewhere, it's not going to be too long before you're finding a way or people are just giving you the opportunity to take on some sort of leadership capacity. Right. And I, I think fundamental to leadership, just to touch on this briefly, is a sense of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it doesn't sound like a very sexy word. I completely understand that. But when I look to teach it, I look to make responsibility as sexy, fun, and cool as irresponsibility has always felt or has always felt like it would be in our minds. Most of us can be quite responsible. We just normally are in our jobs and we're not necessarily in the other areas of our life. And so I literally started a company 10 years ago called Own Your Money, right? When you own it, you step up to lead in your own life, mm. right? And then when you own your money, and this has been, I guess you could say an unintended consequence in a lot of ways, but I've found that once you own your money and you take that responsibility and you step up as the leader there, then that then translates to the rest of your life. So you own your money and then you own your life because you get misaligned. And it's so crucial that you're aligned in all of these areas. So once you realize that you can take responsibility and it can be fun and there's nothing wrong with you, like just because you may feel broke or not have as much money as you want right now, it doesn't mean that you're broke in. And so once you can start to realize that, and you're like, wait, I can do this. I can be confident with this in this area that for so many successful people, it has stayed as a confusing, overwhelming topic. Once you can realize that you can be the leader in this area, it's amazing all of the other areas that then you can step up to be the leader in, in your whole life. I can actually imagine that the psychic energy 
and the load on your mind when you're stressed about this, when you're not sure what to do, mm-hmm. feel, particularly if you're a person who normally is confident and normally knows what to do and has a plan and is the kind of person others look up to, mm-hmm. you have an area of your life that feels like a little out of control mm-hmm. and, um, and just disorganized and chaotic, it, it, it sort of weighs at you and might actually be slowing you down in other areas of your life because of that. And it sounds like you're freeing people up by giving them the tools to tackle something that's been sort of so scary they didn't want to even look at it. Um, and that, I know that that for you, I, don't, I know a little bit about your story. I know you hit a point where it just, you, you know, <laughs> you hit that proverbial wall, you hit that moment where it was just like faced with your reality. Why do you think you were able to move through that space and others just get stuck there? That is a fantastic question. Um, To comment on the other part that you just said right before that too, it's a huge distraction for people when they don't have their money together. You you were very nice about the way you said it, but I have seen it it have a serious toll on people's stress levels. It's this like... um, um, undercurrent everything you're doing. Mm-hmm. Almost like if you ever watch ESPN or uh, CNBC, you know how there's a ticker on the bottom? Sure. It's like it's always there. <laughs> you know, for, for the people that are stressed about money, there's just this underlying nagging feeling of worry that's there all the time. And people spend a lot of time and energy hiding what they don't have together around money. Now, in terms of my personal story of overcoming it, I don't think there was anything that special per se about who I was that I could face it. I think I just made a decision that it was possible, that being financially independent didn't mean that I had to do it alone anymore, and that I could take control, that I could own my money instead of feeling like I was owned by it. And it took me... It took me years of this rinse and repeat avoiding cycle, honestly, until my sister asked me one day very innocuously, hey, I know you have a lot going on. Do you have everything handled? And in that moment, I couldn't keep doing that hiding anymore, right? I I was kind of living a lie. Like I was a star player at a big accounting firm, like one of the big four accounting firms. But behind the scenes, when I would come home, I would end up being on the road Monday to Friday. I'd come home Friday. I would get my mail. There'd be a huge stack waiting for me. (laughs) I'd pick it up and I would just throw it on any spare desk or basket (laughs) or table that I could find. And then it just got to the point where it it was overwhelming me. And I think she could start to tell that things weren't right. I think it's really hard because these are skills we all assume other people have. And um, what's, what do you find really rewarding about the work you're doing today? Oh, wow. I mean, I, I, I feel like I, I'm living the dream in a lot of ways in terms of being able to wake up each day and feel like I'm literally changing lives. One bank account at a time, you could say. Um, I'm saving marriages. Um, I feel like I'm giving people their life back because in a lot of ways, they've let money take it from them in a default, passive kind of way, not intentionally by any means, but that they've given up their power to own their life, you know, to to be the force that's creating their life. And 
I give them the confidence and the hope um, to take it back, to recognize that, wait a second, this is my life. I don't just have to sit back and let it happen to me. I can create my life. So in a lot of ways, it's finding the voice with money. It's finding the voice at work. It's finding the voice in your relationships again. It's like every day I feel like I'm making such a difference for people because they're able to fund their fun when they actually have more extra money. They're feeling better because they're making more money. Like one client the other day uh, messaged me and she said that she just got a $7,000 raise. It was like over a 10% raise. And I was like, mm-hmm. what made the difference? And she's like, I asked, I stood up for myself. You know, I had the conversation you told me to have <laughs> about the value that I'm delivering and, and you know, what I'm making happen in the organization. And, and you can just tell it was like this weight lifted off of her shoulders from the should of, I should be doing this. You know, I'm under earning mm-hmm. to actually step into that place of, wait, I can do this. Like, this is me. This is my life. And I even have a free workshop that's kicking off actually today called Shift Your Money Destiny. And the point of it essentially is that we have fallen into this track that's not necessarily our true destiny with money. And it's up to us to step in and shift to that true destiny, which has us be in this more abundant cycle instead of the scarcity loop that we often get stuck on. I want to actually bridge those two things. The story you were telling a moment ago. Mm-hmm. about being in that moment of sort of utter despair, uh, mm-hmm. paralyzed. And what you just were saying about this amazing joy you're able to bring to other people's lives. I can see how you manage your way because you're tenacious and you were determined. How did you decide to make this an offering? And along the way, like particularly in those first couple of years when it's, you're not quite sure who you're serving and like you said, it sounds funny to offer services to people who don't have money. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, my target audience is people who are in yeah. crazy amounts of debt. Yeah. Um, so, but, but what, was, what was the challenges early on and, and how did you sort of overcome those challenges? Hmm, that's, a, that's a great question. I'm asking that for. Um, so, and it's actually a great story. So I was in corporate for over 15 years in corporate finance and accounting. I worked for the big uh, firm for 12 years and then was a corporate controller and did that. We took the company from 190 million to over 400 million in the three and a half years that I was with them. So a lot of growth. And then I left. I got to the point where I was checking my personality at the door. I took a year and a half. I did the eat, pray, love before it was sexy and fun. <laughs> it was a hit book and movie. And um, now, so this was back in 2006 that I left that job took a nice package and, you know, to the point about speaking up, I, when I first stepped into that role, I negotiated a options into the role. The role hadn't had options in it before, but I negotiated them in. And that then was a $40,000 funding for that year I was off. And I traveled to Costa Rica and volunteered there. I traveled to India and backpacked for a month. And I went through this whole identity crisis to decide who did I want to be in the world? 
Like, who was I? Like, I was so used to just being a controller or an accountant. <laughs> and as an aside, if we have any single ladies, it's really difficult to give out a business card that says controller on it. Since <laughs> 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 this is also, you know, about networking as well as leadership. Um, so within the first three months of me taking that job, I had them change my card to say corporate controller. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Um, so... So now, so keep in mind, we're in 2006. And then in 2007, I started to, um, I was doing a lot of informational interviewing in between my travel. And I met with some financial advisors and they said, you would be great at what we do. You're a woman, you're so understanding, you're a problem solver, you're a great networker, you have great relationships, why don't you do what we do? And then I started to talk to real people about their money and where their issues were and, you know, did they need an advisor? And what I found quickly is that they didn't need necessarily another advisor, a financial advisor. They needed someone almost more like a financial therapist, someone that, who could help them with the emotional side of money as well as the practical side of money. And no one was really doing that. And coaching was not nearly as popular as it is now back in 2007. So I actually set up a shingle and became a financial coach because I decided I didn't just want to be the doctor metaphorically assigning prescriptions for how to invest your money. I wanted to be the nurse that nursed people back to health mm. and had them recognize. And on the therapy side, in some ways, I'm not a, trained as a therapist per se, but I have been in the personal growth and development world for 17 years now. And I actually wrote my book, Self-Worth to Net Worth, with a therapist. We co-authored it so that I would learn, you know, if I don't know something, I am definitely somebody who will pay some money or make an investment, whatever that looks like, to learn it. I want to shorten my learning curve. And that's what I look to do for all of my clients. So we co-authored this book. And I learned a ton about how our childhood influences affect us, how our beliefs affect us. And how we can change those patterns and change the self-talk that we're facing. Mm. And so now that's a, like an inherent part of everything I do. And so I started this business in 2007, I will tell you, amidst a lot of skepticism. So I came up with the idea of, um, of a business in May. So, you know, just uh, crossed that 10-year mark from that you know, epiphany moment that said, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And then I officially founded the company in August. And then I launched with a, my first two day workshop in December. And now that was 2007. So then when, and I did start out full disclosure with the wrong market. I was marketing to people who had no money. I was like, they need me. And a lot of my marketing was very, um, like you're broke, you're, not bad, but like you haven't been able to figure this out. Like there's something wrong with you. And then I had this interesting realization that said, wait a second, there's a lot of people that actually make good money or whether that's good money of $50,000, $150,000. I've had clients making over $500,000 and you just never learned how to handle the money that you had. I mean, you, you were yourself that client. Uh, exactly. <laughs> you were well, like, it's funny though. Yeah. yeah. Why am I looking in a totally different network when my own network or pe my peers? Because we right. don't talk about it. I mean, I could see why it felt more comfortable to go and talk to people, like to go look to talk to people who are so clearly broke. Like, right. 
But, but the reality, yeah, but, you know, I think part of what I realized along the way is that th this is a source of shame for a lot of people. So they don't necessarily want to raise their hands and say, yes, there's something wrong with me because that's how I was positioning it at the time. And then I had this realization that said, you know what? There's nothing wrong with people. It's just that they never learn. Yeah. So I've spent the last 10 years educating people along the way. And I did, um, you know, I did start doing public workshops and I did those for years. Every month I would lead a workshop with anywhere from four to 40 people. And it was very grassroots. But what I will tell you though, is that by starting in 2007, when everything started to hit the fan in 2008, I was very well positioned. I do have a little bit of woo-woo in me and I feel like I was, <laughs> I was called to do this just in time to be able to be the resource for people. Like I was literally on the Boston five o'clock news on the day of the federal bailout. Wow. And because they were like, how are people going to deal with the stress that they're currently feeling around their money? Yeah. Right. Or around the loss of their money in a lot of ways, because that's what ensued. And so um, I've been able to be that resource now for people ever since then to so handle that stress. So a common struggle for anyone who's striving for success, uh, and clearly you have achieved a lot of success in the last 10 years, mm. but there's that fear of being wrong or uh, making mistakes or even failing. Tell me something that you're not very good at and, and how you deal with that. There's lots of things I'm not good at. <laughs> um, I mean, I have a team for that reason. And I mean, it was interesting even like to do this, right? Like I, when it comes to technology, I have people. Like I have two tech assistants that handle everything that needs to happen in the business so that I show up, I record, I record weekly trainings for my Money Makers Academy, for instance. I record the training, I put it in a folder, somebody takes care of it from there. You know, and, and I think even Scott Stratton said that's what he does with his podcast. Like, you know, it's important to know what you're good at or great at and then be willing to give away the rest. I've chosen to create strategies so that these areas that are more challenging for me become easier. You know, what's interesting is that there's a way in which um, I, so I'm out there, you know, teaching people how to stop wasting time networking and and start building great relationships. And a lot of that is about being really good at follow-up, being really good at tracking not just your high-priority contacts, but the people that you know, might become great connections and figuring mm -hmm. out how to stay in touch. And these are, these are really challenging. I, I mean, it's not easy. Um, I don't know that it's easy for anybody. So I think it's really great in some ways because it's something that I, I'm always making an effort to do and because money was something that you were making an effort to do. You created systems and strategies. I did same thing and now we're teaching it. So it's an interesting point that in sometimes the thing that you've struggled with when you finally find some sort of solution, you're in a really good position to then share it. Absolutely. And I have so much compassion for people who struggle with it also. Because I don't take for granted that you would know how to do this. Because mm -hmm. really, why would you? In some ways, we don't know what we don't know. And so when I teach, I do it from the standpoint that says, I'm sure you know something about this. And I'm sure that there's more that you can learn. Mm -hmm. So the Moneymakers Academy, for instance, is a 12-month program. And I think that there are some people in it that probably know 80% of what I'm teaching. So in some ways, I'm validating what they're teaching. 
But that 20% that they don't know is creating 80% of the results for them. Right. Right. Or lack of results for them in a lot of ways. And so my job is to have them have access to the whole 100% so that they can start to make better decisions, make different choices, make more money, keep more money through the process. In some ways, the, the, the line between work and home gets particularly blurry, I think, uh, being an entrepreneur, because the, the benefit is that you get to make your own hours, the, but also the, the, the difficulty is that those hours could always be anytime, anywhere, all the time. So <laughs> what, like, with that in mind, what does self-care look like for you? Oh, that's interesting. I, um, well, I was laughing because I know you have a little one and I have two little ones. Uh, I have a two-year-old and a three-year-old. So um, it's, it's interesting. There's the work at home. And so for me, it's super important to be able to be there for my family. And that was a big aha that I had. And I'd say a big challenge that I faced even in my business. I was going to say my life, but particularly in the entrepreneurial side of my life because I had created one business up until 2011. And then I got married in 2011. I decided I wanted to have children. And so I literally basically took the business to zero and created an entirely new business starting in 2012, because that, I call it a harmony versus a balance, was essential for me. Mm -hmm. And I, there was a part of me that, that I'm very intuitive. And there was a part of me that, that knew that I couldn't continue with that business and raise the family that I wanted. And so to a certain extent, my self-care actually includes time with my children. Like tonight, I spent an hour with them outside playing on the jungle gym and playing with our bubble mower and you know, like, yeah. like blocks, you know, just like they're, they're little and, and they're, I love spending time with them. And we just had Rebecca's birthday and I spent more time in her playhouse at the birthday than that I think anyone else did. And I was so excited to be able to do that. So I get very replenished by spending time with them. So that's certainly a part for me. And then um, sleep is probably the major thing that I really work to do and eating well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I Exercise has its moments. Um, a lot of times running after them. I walk my son to school nearly every day, um, not in the snow because we do live in the Boston area. But besides that, I really enjoy that aspect of it. And I, I, I like to do it. Like I, I like, there's nothing like, well, you'll get to this point. Walking down the street, holding your child's hand to take them to school in the morning. Mm. And it's such a special time. And part of what we get to do as entrepreneurs is actually treasure those little moments on a regular basis. And as I notice those and I become mindful and aware of them, it actually replenishes me from a self-care standpoint too. Well, that's great. Yeah. No, uh, I have a 17 month old mm-hmm. uh, time. This comes out will be about a year and a half. It's, it's remarkable how quickly time flies and it's been a, a joy to be home with him um, and be part of his life in this way. And also tricky to, to balance all of those things. I love your harmony. I've been thinking more about integration, uh, mm-hmm. Right, because it's it balance is almost like an oxymoron. It's, you can't balance. <laughs> <laughs> You'll always fall over, right? Yeah, so. it doesn't work that way. Right. So, um, because this podcast is also about about networking and and building relationships, I'm really curious that you were talking about how you shifted your business 
um, back in 2011. And just the fact that you come from a corporate background, you've, you've had so many different spaces that you've occupied and probably taken leadership in as well, based on your <laughs> earlier examples. Um, in what ways has your professional network really grown in the last five, 10 years? And in particular, what are you doing to nurture those relationships? Well, my network has grown uh, exponentially, I would say, since I started 10 years ago. Now I send a newsletter to something like 15,000 people on a weekly basis. So there's something fundamentally that I invest my time in that. I do um, nearly all of my own writing. It's funny. I I can't tell you how many people are like, who's your writer? And I'm like, it's me. And no, I'm not going to do your writing. (laughs) You do a really nice job. So that's partly how I keep in touch is by connecting with people through my emails, through Facebook. Then I have chosen people that uh, become my JV partners, like my joint venture partners or affiliates. We become affiliates for each other because we really believe in what each of us are doing and how we're helping people in the world. And so there is a much smaller list of those that I will keep in touch with that will support each other in whatever we're doing. Um, So that's part of it. I have a mastermind group in the financial blogger expertise world. I also go to conferences about every, let's say one or two per quarter, per three months, where I make a point of connecting with like-minded people who are also interested in similar, I'd say passions, but I find that even the conferences that I go to change a little bit year to year based on what I've taken on as that skill that I want to get better at. So I launched, um, the Academy is somewhat of a membership site and I launched that last year. So ever since I was launching that, I was like, I need to learn how to do this. And before that it was, okay, I need to learn how to do a launch. (laughs) What does that even mean? I had never, I didn't know, you know, I hadn't done that before. And I I think that for everyone listening, just like decide what it is that you want to learn about and then find somebody who is good at it that can teach you. It is so worth shortening your learning curve. Like we just, um, uh, we just crossed over $2 million in revenue since we started. And I looked at my education number and it was a big number. It was like a couple hundred thousand dollars. And I said, but in a lot of ways, that's a great return on investment. Right. Where would I be had I, you know, stayed small and just said, I'm going, I'm stubborn and I'm going to figure this out on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like not nearly as far as when we decided to find great mentors and great peers and great relationships to nurture and learn from in the process. You know, a moment ago, you, you were just talking about conferences and um, my book is coming out this summer uh, on this topic. It's called Croissants Versus Bagels. Mm-hmm. Strategic, effective, and inclusive networking at conferences. And I think you know this, but I'm going to share it for a second. Why croissants versus bagels? Because everyone's always like, what? What's that? Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when you go to a conference and people are standing in those really tight networking circles, and they're really hard to break into. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the bagel. But if one person wow. on the inside opens up their body language and makes some space, that's the croissant you're looking for. I'm always that person. I'm like, oh, come talk to us. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. You're a great host, clearly. So when you're going to all these conferences, what what's been your strategy for you know making sure you're meeting good people, making great connections? Is there anything you're doing 
before you go to really prepare? Like what's, what, how, yeah, how do you kind of make sure this is going to be a valuable um, effort? Sure. So I set intentions. Sometimes I don't set until I'm on the plane going there, but before I walk in the door, I set an intention of somebody that I want to meet, of what I want to be, do, and have as a result of being there. So that it's not, again, so it's not by default, right? It's, there's a lot of intention into what I do. And those people who choose to follow me and shift your money destiny with me, like you'll learn that I'm, I'm strategic and I will teach you how to be strategic too. And so I go into a conference and I set these intentions. And then sometimes it's amazing. Some of this is the little bit of woo-woo, a little bit of intuition that I have speaking up all wrapped into one. I'll tell you a quick story. I was at um, the FinCon conference last year, and that's for the financial bloggers and wealth experts or you know, money experts. It's like the who's who. Everybody's there. And Jean Chatsky was speaking. And I, she was one of the reasons why I even got into this because I heard her speak at a conference and she and I are similar in our, um, literally, like she lives 20 minutes away from where I grew up. <laughs> like, it's just when we were talking, I was like, no way. She went to the school that my husband graduated from. Like there are all these funny similarities. But, um, but she, was, she has that down to earth approachable way about her. And so I had wanted to meet her and wanted to just have an opportunity to talk with her and maybe even be on her podcast. So I was going uh, to the opening session and I was a little bit late. I was trying to run to get some breakfast before it started. And who do I see ahead of me? This is the second day. It was a three-day event. It was the morning of the second day. Who's walking 20, 30 feet in front of me but Jean Chatsky? And I said, this is my moment. What am I going to do? We all have a choice in every moment how we're going to respond. Most of us just react and we don't do anything or we react impulsively in a way that doesn't necessarily serve us. I thought in that moment, what do I want to do? So I quickened my pace, (laughs) caught up with her, and I introduced myself. And I started talking with her and then told her about how she was really so instrumental in me starting this 10 years ago. And we started to walk to breakfast. Well, we missed breakfast because we were both running a little bit late. And, and I said, do you want to sort of settle with the yogurt that's there? And she's like, no, let's just go get breakfast. I was like, okay, great. And I'm like thinking to myself, cha-ching, like I get to go have breakfast with Jean Chesky. And so we went, uh, we went to Starbucks, we waited online, we both ordered oatmeal and, um, and she was like, let me get that for you. And Because I, I offered to pick up her breakfast. She was like, no, really, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> buy my breakfast. Gene. And then we just had a really wonderful conversation. And it was very honest. You know, she was like, actually, I feel like you, you're doing courses better than I did. Like, she was like, I just didn't, that wasn't my thing. You know, I have all yeah. these other things. You know, she's been on the Today Show hundreds of times. I think what's cool about your story is it's helpful to remember that these people that we think we really look up to because they were such sources of inspiration mm-hmm. are people. They're real people. <laughs> They're real people. Absolutely. Like she eats oatmeal. Like I do. <laughs> and she's, well, she eats breakfast. She eats breakfast. Totally. She eats breakfast and she, yeah. missed bre- and she was running late and having a harried morning and right. like probably enjoyed having a little bit of company and... And I think it's about striking the right balance. A couple of things you did. One is 
you made sure to say hello, right? Because I think, like you said, other people could have seen that opportunity, talked about it in their head, and like when they finally looked up, the moment had passed. So I always say you've got three seconds. You've got three seconds to like take action because you're going to talk yourself out of it otherwise. But you also didn't go overboard. Like if you had gone up to her and just like thrown yourself at her feet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess there would have been like an even more effusive way. Yeah, sure. There's a, there's a, like, I tried to almost be like I was a peer, you know, like this is what I'm doing now. I've been in this nearly 10 years and I love your work and what you're doing. And, you know, she shared with me her new book before it was even. Well, and I also think you were specific about the way she impacted you. Mm. And that's the other thing is like, if you just say, like, I love your work, well, they don't carry that with them. Where if you say, you know, 10 years ago, I saw you speak on this uh, stage and then I read your book and then I started to follow your work. And that, you know, and man, at some point I was like, well, why can't I just take action? And, you know, really you led me like, like they remember all those moments. They, they know what they did, but it's so great to hear someone say that and be really specific about a way in which a book or a talk influenced them. So, mm-hmm. and like you said, you came as a peer. So I, I just think that I'm breaking this down a little bit, just that <laughs> it's not hard, it's, but it is in the moment if you're not preparing. And I really just want to acknowledge that the fact that you make an intention at all, even if it's on the way there on an airplane, I'm honestly, a lot of times that's when we have the moment to do it. We book the conference, we book the flight, we book the hotel and we arrive without a lot of pre-planning. And I think that's the first mistake we make. Part of what I think about is how our body language doesn't align with our intentions, but that's partly because our intentions haven't been made. If we really stop and realize we're here to meet people, then maybe we would have a different body language. So, well, and oftentimes we're there to meet people for different reasons, right? So the more clear that you can be going into it about the types of people even you want to meet, like it's different if I'm going somewhere to meet clients versus mm-hmm. partners versus mentors. Or like you, you are now in a, um, a mastermind group mm-hmm. of people who are in the world of finance and, you know, you go to FinCon, like that's a space where you could meet other people for that. Like, so yes, being really clear. But it's, but it's, so it sounds like part of your success is, through all of this has been a certain amount of, I like your woo-woo, <laughs> a yeah. certain amount of woo-woo. But also I think like, you're, you're probably more intentional than you're giving yourself credit. Um, oh, like I said, I'm very strategic. I, yeah. I, yeah, and then you're giving, well, and then you're more aware of what's kind of going on in the world. If you meet someone and look for the mutually beneficial way to work together, um, there's a Harvard study about networking that determined that when people do what they call instrumental networking, or um, I would call like transactional networking, and actually made people feel dirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people who are higher up in the career ladder, who are like senior executives, they don't feel that way because they walk in knowing they have something of value to offer. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a way in which no matter where you are in your career ladder, if you walk in to a situation like a conference or a networking event or a meeting with a thinking, oh, I know that I can offer value. I know that I can serve this person. I know that, you know, I'm, I'm here to support in whatever way I can. And I know that they will help me similarly. Mm-hmm. That, that feeling of networking being dirty goes away mm. because it's mutual. It doesn't feel like you're just taking. 
it's hard when you're 25 to get that mind frame, I think, because, and that, gosh, at that point, you know, we're all just trying to get our first jobs and all of that. But, um, but I think if you start out your career with that mindset, man, like the, think about where we'd end up 20 you know, years later, 40 years later, like what right. a life we would lead if we just approached all of life that way, that philosophy of abundance. It's, uh, it's pretty powerful. So we are coming to the end of this and I have one last question for you. Okay. If we were to meet a year from now, and here's the joy, I see you all the time. and I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But if we checked in a year from now, uh, and you were telling me what a great year it's been, what accomplishments would we be celebrating? Uh, that's awesome. Okay, let's see. So uh, seeing my children grow up another year will be super fun. So they'll be three and four by then. And Lord knows what, how they're, what they're going to be up to by then. Each day they do something different. I'm like, oh my God, you know how to do that? Like whether it's on my phone or opening a door or whatever, there's something really gratifying about seeing that growth. And in, in my business, I'd say in a year, we'll have a thousand people in our Moneymakers Academy. We'll have likely 5,000 go through our Shift Your Money Destiny workshop. And actually, so that people know, they can go to ownyourmoney.com forward slash schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E, and then you can access our workshop. So that's important to get to know. And um, yeah, and I just feel like I'm changing lives and saving marriages. And knowing that I get to continue to do this every day will bring me a lot of joy to be able to share with you in a year. Wow, that's fantastic. What are the other ways people can find you or follow your work? Sure. So, so that, um, so I'll give you a little bit more spiel on that one. So that is our Shift Your Money Destiny workshop. It's also at shiftyourmoneydestiny.com, but I tried to give one that was the cleanest and schmooze related for us here. And, um, and so that's kicking off now. Then you'll, you'll get your money IQ quiz to get going. You'll, you'll be able to learn in a couple of days. We're going to release how to rewrite your money story and step into that next level of who you're going to be when you're not living as a seven-year-old, but you get to live as a current adult. And um, I'd say besides the current uh, effort that we have going on, you can check me out at ownyourmoney.com is my main website. I'm everywhere Own Your Money. So Twitter is at Own Your Money. Facebook, we're Own Your Money. Uh, for our fan page. And I actually have a great private Facebook group. So once you're in this current online free workshop, you can join the Own Your Money, Own Your Life Facebook group. We have over 1,600 people in that. And it's, um, it's about being in this empowered conversation around money with me. And so I would love to have you join, you know, join this, this amazing newsletter list that gets to be empowered with their money every week and, um, and being the bigger, better versions of themselves. That sounds great. Belinda, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. You're welcome. Thank you, Robbie, for doing what you do. And I feel like there is a piece of what you're doing too when you're helping people to be themselves networking and be more effective at networking that it just has exponential results for them too because they get to leverage their time, energy, and resources in this whole new way. So thank you for doing what you do on Schmooze. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that interview with Belinda Rosenblum. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. 
What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Well, one of the things that stood out for me was how critical it is to have systems in place to manage our money and how distracting and debilitating can be if we let our finances get out of control. There are a lot of money experts out there, but Belinda is different. She doesn't just give you money tactics, but also rolls up her sleeves and helps you with that inner game too. So you're not just learning skills, but tackling the emotional side to create long-lasting change. Her proven money mindset and money management system creates sustainable financial and life success and over $4 million in savings earnings for her clients. A moment ago, Belinda offered my listeners free access to her Shift Your Money course, which happens to start today. No excuses. If her story resonated with you and you want to get unstuck, get started at ownyourmoney.com slash schmooze. That's S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. She's helped thousands of people just like you finally get a handle on their finances. In short, Belinda is the real deal. If you've ever thought, I wish someone would just give me a plan to follow to get my money on track, then Shift Your Money Destiny Workshop is exactly what you need. Visit ownyourmoney.com slash schmooze. I also really appreciated that despite being a successful entrepreneur, Belinda continues to invest in her professional development by attending one to two conferences each quarter. She says, decide what it is that you want to learn about and find someone who can teach you. Funding for professional development isn't always a priority in company budgets, or you may not have the access to those funds because of your seniority or lack thereof. Take ownership of your career growth and find opportunities to learn new skills and broaden your professional network, even if the investment comes out of your own pocket. In the end, you'll be taking these skills and connections with you when you move to another position or act on your dream of becoming an entrepreneur. And I want to underscore how savvy Belinda is when it comes to networking at the conferences she attends. It all starts with her setting intentions about who she wants to meet, what she wants to learn, and what inspiration she's looking for. Like Belinda, you might be an incredibly busy professional who regularly attends conferences. Take a page from her book and just take some time on the plane ride to get clear about your goals for this event. Then, when you see an opportunity to speak with someone you admire, Don't hesitate more than three seconds and then go and say hello. Is networking an important but your least favorite part of your job? My coaching clients felt the same way. Through a combination of technical tips, accountability, and a bit of inspiration, I help leaders stop wasting time networking and start building great relationships. This summer, I'm launching a beta version of a group program. If this sounds like something you'd want to be part of, we should set up a time to chat and see if it's a good fit for you. Email Robbie at RobbieSamuels.com. That's R-O-B-B-I-E at R-O-B-B-I-E-S-A-M-U-E-L-S.com. Do you host a conference or a convention and want your attendees to feel that your event was incredibly valuable because of all the connections they made? I work with associations and companies to design events that increase engagement and create a welcoming culture for all attendees, especially your first-time attendees. Do you know someone who might be interested? I'd welcome the introduction. As a busy solopreneur and a work-at-home parent with a toddler, I am juggling a lot of responsibilities, and that's why I use Contactually, a robust CRM that's perfect for managing my professional network. I use it to help me manage my most important relationships 
and the ones I hope will become significant. As an affiliate for Contactually, they're offering my listeners a free trial. Let me know if you sign up for the free trial and I'll get you set up for success. Visit Contactually.com slash invite slash moves for more details. That's Contactually, C-O-N-T-A-C-T-U-A-L-L-Y dot com slash invite slash schmooze. For your convenience, I'll add the link to the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 47. And just a reminder that you're encouraged to join my launch team by visiting robbysamuels.com slash launch team. You'll receive an advanced copy of Croissants versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking Conferences, and you'll be notified when it'll be available for free on Kindle. All I ask in return is your help spreading the word, and if you feel the book was valuable, that you write a review on Amazon. If you want to discover other business podcasts, check out C-Suite Radio at C-Suite Radio, where you'll find On the Schmooze in good company with other C-Suite Radio headliners. I want to sincerely thank all of you who've already subscribed and left a rating review in iTunes. By subscribing and leaving a rating review in iTunes, you're helping this podcast get discovered by more listeners. Will you subscribe and leave an honest rating review? Include your Twitter handle in your review so I can give you a shout out. It's easy to find our iTunes page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be sharing excerpts from my book, specific tips for following up and staying in touch. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.